Welcome to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. We hope you enjoyed the upcoming podcast and hope this time is empowering, inspiring, and helpful as you pursue the dream God has put in your heart. The participants of this podcast are not attorneys, and this recording is not to be considered legal advice. Please contact your local attorney's office where needed. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to the Start Church Podcast, Beyond the Call, and I am really excited about today's guest. Michael Gatlin is the uh, Multiplication Coordinator for The Vineyard, and um, Michael, we're so glad you're on the podcast with us today. Oh my gosh, it's a privilege to be on here with you, and uh, thank you so much for the invite. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. So, you know, we're we're really about church planners and pastors. We want to give them voices of people that have done practitioner and really have walked through the process of planting and pastoring or or helping planters and pastors. And um, what I'd love to do is just first off, scope out. Tell people, for those that don't know, who the vineyard is and what your current role is there. Yeah. My, so my current role is uh, I direct Multiply Vineyard, which is the kind of the church planting arm of the vineyard movement. We have about 600 churches uh, in the United States. We're in over a hundred countries and have an additional about 2,500 churches around the world. And uh, we've been around since the, about 1982, started with a group of about six churches and have been really church planting uh, every year since then. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great community of churches that's very much based in relationship with one another, kind of common vision and values and common kingdom theology. And uh, right. when I first discovered this tribe, I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm finally home. Oh, that's awesome. That's the greatest story right there is people yeah. feeling home. Tell me, what, what is the uh, multiplication coordinator? Tell us a, a, kind of a day in the life. What, what does that look like for you? <laughs> well, I just got back from like nine days on the road. So <laughs> I, I basically have two full-time jobs. So I pastor a local church in Duluth, Minnesota. And uh, we planted this uh, in 1997. It was a replant in 97. Wow. And uh, so we've been up here for about 22 years. We've sent out a bunch of church plants from here. Our average attendance right now is between 12 and 1,500 on a weekend. Wow. And then in um, uh, 2002, I took over as a regional church planting coordinator in the vineyard for a Midwest region and led that for a number of years until they asked me to take over the national role in uh, 2012. And uh, so what that means is I am coordinating basically a team of volunteers around the country, pastoral leaders, church planting practitioners, coaches, and assessors and really helping our local vineyard churches to reproduce. Uh, so that includes everything from, you know, standalone church plants to multi-sites to uh, adopting into our movement, like all sorts of different ways that, that our movement is, uh, well, multiplying. <laughs> yeah. Well, I encourage anybody who's listening to the podcast to follow Multiply Vineyard on the Facebook. Uh, I see all your videos that are on there. They're really helpful. Uh, I like them myself as a planter and as somebody who's uh, helping planters and pastors. Uh, You just mentioned your church has already sent out churches, right? Talk to me about that. How do you identify who's a planter and how do you guys get behind them? Well, we have a whole bunch of things that we do. So one of our one of our initialisms that we've used in the vineyard for a lot of years 
uh, goes like this, I-R-T-D-M-N. And that stands for Identify, Recruit, Train, Deploy, Monitor, Nurture. Wow. And we just consider that the job of every single leader in our church in our church community. So we've got about 200 leaders uh, actively doing IRTDMN, you know, all the time in our local church. We're looking for leaders. Uh, we're leading people to Christ. We're looking for leaders. We're serving alongside people. We begin to recruit them into leadership and train them in different ways. As you're doing that, you find people who are kind of natural gatherers. Yeah. They're a little bit more entrepreneurial and uh, vision-minded. Uh, sometimes they're quite annoying because they walk into a room in a meeting and they're like, man, this could be different. This could be better. Right. Be like this, right? And you're like, okay, well, let's, I got to spend some time with this annoying one. Yeah. And, uh, and, and a lot of those folks actually end up becoming some of our best church planters. Wow. Um, they're folks who have sometimes more recently come to Christ and they have a lot of connection in the community. People want to gather around them. They begin to share vision. Other people join in. And so we're identifying those planters uh, and potential planters uh, by people who have some of those natural gifting yeah. um, that church planters kind of need to have to be successful. And, and then putting them in places and coming alongside them where they can begin to grow in that. What does that look like? Somebody comes alongside, you're recognizing the call, and I'd love for you in a minute to give us the IRTDM again, just for our listeners to be able to hear exactly. But um, sure. when you start recognizing that, talk to us through some next steps. Yeah. So one of the things that we do is like pastoral, pretty much all pastoral, good pastoral ministry, from my point of view, uh, begins you kind of grow that in smaller settings. So you begin making disciples. You're a disciple yourself. Right. You're seeing that transformation take place in your life. And then you begin to pass that on to like one or two people. And so if I'm seeing somebody that has some of those gifts and they're embodying that transformation of the gospel, they're like, they're really seeing change happen in their lives. Right. And I begin to give them the assignment to go out and find a couple people who don't know Jesus and begin to meet with them and begin to, you know, work that same transformation. See if people yeah. will with them and do that. And one of the things that I'll do at, at our church is I'll say, um, you know, people come to me and say, Hey, I want to grow in this. I want to do this. And I go, well, over the next three months, see if you can like find 10 or 15 brand new people that have never been to our church, invite them and come up and introduce them to me on Sunday morning. Just bring right. them up to me and introduce them to me. Yeah. I want to meet them. And, uh, and then the people who do that are like, okay, well, that, that person's got, like, they're beginning to gather people. They're beginning to do that. And then you just kind of give them the next step and the next step. That's great. Next step, starting small groups, um, beginning to lead people in small group, disciple that way, and then beginning to multiply that small group. So you're multiplying leaders. You got more people than will fit in a living room. Well, let's see if you can do that a couple more times. Yeah. And then, you know, as they're learning to raise up leaders, they're learning to monitor and nurture those leaders, kind of that last part of the IRTDMN, and and they're beginning to work with that. And so now you've got them not only discipling people, but creating groups where discipleship right. happens. And yeah. that's basically, in, in my mind, that's basically a, a microcosm of the church, right? That's so great. Yeah. I love that process. It, you're talking about a discipler making disciples. I hear a lot of people talking about recognizing church planners and say, well, the guy can speak. Or, you know, like one, it's like one note on that. But being a pastor is not just a one note reality. It is yeah, making true. disciples, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. 
and and that's and that's the big deal like i i like to talk about hey church planning is not just starting a weekend service right like actually a weekend service is not that hard to start right like if you get enough advertising out there and you do enough stuff like you could gather a couple hundred people and start a service that's not that difficult right planting a church that's going to bring the transformation, gospel transformation in people's lives and in the community that you're in, that's like a whole different ball game. And a church service is a component of that. It's a part of that, but it's not the only thing. And so that's why I like to start with the harder things. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Well, you're taking them through a process, recognizing that uh, the giftings from the Holy Spirit, what he's put in there and, and that sort yeah. of thing. Um, how do you, let's talk about, so then you find somebody, they have those giftings, they're reproducing, they reproduce their small groups. How do you help someone find a location or where they should go? Well, so one of the things that we started here quite a few years ago uh, is what what I loosely call a residency program, mm. where we're for nine months, um, oh, actually 12 months, we're taking them through um, like four big components of growth and development. And along the way, one of the things that we're thinking about is where might they eventually go uh, to do that. Mm. But again, that part to me is like, that's like, you know, a little further down the road. Sure. I want to make sure that you've got the right person, that this is the right time in their life. Yeah. And that you're doing that, that deep formational work right. that is going to be necessary to be able to to do ministry long haul. Um, I'm, I, uh, I turned 60 this past year and like, I love being in ministry. I've never been close to approaching burnout or as some people now call blackout. Right. Uh, I've never had to deconstruct my faith. Like yeah. I've just always been building it deeper every step of the way. Yeah. And my, my children uh, love Jesus. I'm still married to the same woman who's amazing and co-pastors the church with me. I want to see people have that kind of an experience yeah. and not just like be a flash in the pan. And yeah. so in that whole residency thing, what we're walking them through is like how, how do you develop the kind of life that can actually like go the full distance in yeah. ministry and where you've got lots of people around you that are following you and doing that. I'm yeah. so tired of if I could just be an old guy, get off my lawn guy for a moment. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm so tired of, of like folks that like do a quick thing, write a book about it. And then three years later, they're not doing ministry anymore or they destroyed that whole thing. So now they're starting a new thing so they can write a new book. Yeah. Like I'm sick of that. Like yeah. that does not do well for the, the gospel or who the right. church is. Like I want to build really deep disciples of Jesus that do this for the long haul and love all that. I'm, I can't remember what your question was, but I'm sure, yeah, my, no. I'm sure my answer was brilliant. That's where the Lord wanted it. So I hear everybody <laughs> on our podcast going, yeah, that's what I want too. Like, I want to make it the long haul. So let's, let's, we'll just pause a bit of the church planting conversation. Talk to us as listeners, as somebody who's 60 ahead of, ahead of a lot of us here. Give us a couple things on how you, how you've gone the distance like that. Well, I think, I think you need, like, you can't, one of our old vineyard lines that I learned really early on, John Wimber used to say this, you can't serve what you ain't cooking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which means like you can't give to other people what you're not really living. Right. And so one of the dangers of being a 
a church planter, a pastor, somebody who preaches every week is that you'll talk about stuff that you're not really experiencing. Yeah. Right. You'll, you'll tell other people's stories and, and it's like, boy, oh my gosh, we need to make time in our lives to actually have that real intimate relationship with Jesus ourselves. Right. That we need to be going through personal transformation. Um, like all the time, like, again, I just turned 60. God is still transforming me into the human being. He wants me to be. And like every year there's things in my life that he's working on, that he's dialing at, making time for that silence and solitude in our lives is huge. Um, I'm, I'm, I was highly dyslexic, never read a book through high school. Now I read two, 300 books a year. And like, I'm just like, I'm, I'm devouring and learning and growing in that and never, never just being satisfied with like putting on a show or, you know, trying to get more followers. I took myself off of Facebook. I hope Multiply Vineyard looks good on Facebook. It looks great. Just I haven't seen it for like four or five years. I finally just jumped off the treadmill. Yeah. You know, it looks great. I do feel like a cranky old guy though. It's kind of fun. Well, you just said something great. You're pastoring your soul, right? You're you're staying connected with Jesus, which would seem to be, um, of course, but we see a lot of people who are maintaining the quality of their service more than they are the quality of their own soul, right? So you're speaking to that. Having a spiritual director, uh, having a coach, uh, having people who can easily, a group of friends who can really easily speak into your life and challenge you when you're being a jerk. You know, um, listening to your spouse, yeah. Whether you're wh- whether you're a, a man or a woman pastoring the church, listening to your spouse if you're married, listening to your close friends if you're yeah. not, about the things that you do that are annoying, asking really good questions. Like the other day, I was going through some transformational stuff, and we were working on the concept of shame, and I realized in the way it was being defined. I'm not sure I've ever felt that before. Mm. So guilt is just really quickly for folks. Guilt is when I've done something bad, what I feel, that's like a good godly thing to feel when you've done something bad. Shame is I am bad. Right. And I've often felt, well, all the rest of you guys are horrible, but I'm actually pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) And, and the guy that I was working with, you know, my coach said, um, well, Michael, why don't you ask people how they experience you in shame? Do they ever feel ashamed when they're around you? Yeah. And immediately I thought, well, I don't want to ask them that. Yeah. Like, they're just going to beat up on me. And so it, it, courage, I went out uh, album shopping with one of my really good friends. He's like in his late 60s and we go vinyl album shopping together. And on the way down, on the way down to Minneapolis, I said, um, hey, do, how do you experience me in shame? And on the way back. So like six hours later, he goes, I'm not sure I experience shame, but sometimes you make me feel like an idiot. Hmm. And I'm like, what a gift to have a friend that will say that to you and then be able to work through those wow. kind of things. Yeah. So like, you just have to be leaning into that kind of stuff nonstop all the time and yeah. allowing that real interactive relationship with the Holy Spirit, allowing him to like dial up those things in your life so you can continue to grow. Did you seek those relationships intentionally? Did they fall into your lap? How did that work? I think you have to honest. I think you have to go seek them all the time. Don't yeah. be satisfied without them. And I've had people say, well, you can't be friends like that with somebody in the church that you pastor. Mm-hmm. I just think that's BS, man. Yeah. Um, like if you can't do that in the church that you're pastoring, like get out of that job and find a different job. Cause 
Yeah. I think Jesus was pretty good friends with Peter, James, and John. Yeah. You don't hear a lot about Bartholomew. Yeah. But even Judas, you know, Jesus was the guy, John the Baptist, I mean, John was the guy leaning his head at that Last yeah. Supper into Jesus's chest. Yeah. Well, Jesus was leaning his head into Judas's chest. Hmm. Like he was yeah, that. Close enough to dip together, yeah. Yeah, even at that Last Supper. And so it's like, we need those kinds of friends, even if they could eventually betray us. Yeah. Okay, God, God will have his way in that. And so, yeah, I just think we have to go seeking those things out and really making room for that in our lives. It sounds like you're saying the risk is worth the reward. Oh my gosh, the risk. And even if you get burned, totally yeah. burned, God's big enough to bring healing to you. You don't have to protect yourself. So Michael, you don't sound bitter. You don't sound like you've been in the the ministry a long time and you still sound buoyant and spiritually refreshed. I, I appreciate you making that observation. I am not bitter. Sometimes I get really frustrated at people, but um, nobody who would be listening to this. <laughs> 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 but but um absolutely not because if you allow if you stay in a place where you're allowing the holy spirit to bring healing to your life like yeah. i think bitterness is like that'll begin to destroy it's the it's the fruit of unforgiveness actually right right so, that's so good that's great man that's good observation Hey there, listeners. Do you know that more than half of the pastors in the United States report that reaching a younger audience is a major issue within their ministry? Well, you're not alone. One of the key strategies is by having an online presence. And at Start Church, we have found a way to make this complex task simple. Even if you don't have any website building experience, our website builder, Start Sites, is an easy to use tool for everyone. You can create a fully responsive and customizable website for only $29 a month and have it ready to receive online giving for your church in less than an hour. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by visiting startsites.org. It would be our honor to serve you. And now back to the podcast. So you've been pastoring uh, quite some time. Talk to me about your calling. When did you start to feel this is, this is where I'm supposed to go with my life? Yeah. So just really briefly, uh, I came to Christ as a senior in high school in 1976. Um, within a few months, I felt like I heard God say, don't go study law, but go study the Bible. I rearranged my plans and went to a little one-year Bible college. It was there. They gave me the opportunity to go speak a couple times. And I really enjoyed it. And I felt like God said to me, the reason you enjoy is because I made you to be a pastor. Yeah. And I thought, oh man, I don't want to be one of those guys. Those guys all wear ties and suits and they like yeah. you know, bad hair oil. And <laughs> I'm part of the seventies, the big hair, free flowing look. I can't be, I can't be one of them. And then, but I went and continued to study scripture. And on the way I met a couple church planters and I, I thought maybe I was coming down with the flu, but what I discovered was it was really the Holy spirit speaking to me and saying, the reason you really love their stories and you're moved by their stories is because that's who I've made you to be. Wow. And so I pulled out of ministry because that was a pretty conservative denomination on the West coast. I pulled out of ministry um, for about 20 years and went to art school, made my living as an artist. Wow. And then again, it was in the late eighties that I met the vineyard and go, Oh my gosh, this could be a group of people that I do ministry with Yeah. for about 11 years, helped the vineyard plant churches. 
uh, all over the Minneapolis St. Paul area. Yeah. And then in the late 90s, uh, finally, when we were, Brenda and I were like, we're about 38, it, then God redirected us and sent us up here. So I gave up my art career after about 20 years yeah. and, and came up here to plant uh, the church in Duluth. Well, you, you mentioned twice uh, that you felt like you were home. And yeah. one of the things I, we always encourage people. So we, we have the honor of being able to participate on a lot of first conversations when they're planting, right? I'm, I'm planting. I don't know what to do. I need some, some help with my foundational structure. Then once we help them with that, they always ask what's next. And we say, go find a tribe. You need a spiritual family, right? Don't, don't do exactly. this alone. How would you encourage somebody who's listening to go find the, so many uh, church planters are isolated. How would you encourage them to go find a tribe where they would might fit? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I, I would direct them to the Multiply Vineyard website. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless self-promotion there. No, because I, I love our community. But um, you, you need a, you can't, you should not be doing this as a Lone Ranger. Yeah. Uh, the spiritual warfare is real. There's more than one team on the field. Yeah. And, uh, and if you're just out there playing offense and running your plays and practicing without the defense on the field, everything's a touchdown. But the moment the other team gets on the field, the whole thing gets a lot harder. When you start church planning, you need a community around you yeah. to really help you survive and do this. And so what I recommend that people do is go find some folks that you really admire that are doing life and ministry yeah. in a way that you want to emulate and go get connected to them. Just go insert yourself into relationships. Just show up where they're doing stuff. And um, that's so good. Yeah. yeah. And so if I could just multiply vineyard.org is a spot where you could begin to learn about who we are. And if we are a good fit for you, man, we'd love to help you discern that. So. What do you, what are you guys looking for? Who's a good, cause every, every tribe's got a little something different. That's why God's, you know, more than one radio station because people listen to different things. Who's the perfect candidate? Who do you, who is listening to this podcast and saying, I might be a good fit for the vineyard? Um, we, we are, that's a great question. Um, you stumped me on that one. Okay. Um, I read that in your list of questions earlier and I'm like, I don't even know how to answer that. Yeah. Somebody else in my group could probably answer it really fast and quick, but all of a sudden my artist brain kicks in and I think, well, everybody could be a good fit. Yeah. Yeah. The deal is, we are very much oriented towards a uh, kingdom theology. Mm -hmm. And so you could read a couple people like uh, uh, James Smith or, or Derek Morphew, you know, on what kingdom theology means just yeah. basically Jesus's central message right. on, on the gospel of the kingdom. And, and then we have a real vision and values for how we live that out. And so we're really committed to worship. We're committed to compassion and ministry to the poor, yeah. uh, to those that are down and out. Uh, we think worship is like the number one thing that we've been called to as followers of Jesus in scripture, yeah. not just the music. It's your whole way of life. Yeah. And we're committed to a thoroughly uh, a historic biblical approach uh, to Christianity and, and then kind of living that out in a, in, in um, an honestly culturally relevant way, not like, not like trying to be relevant to the culture, but speaking the language of the culture yeah. that we happen to be in, kind of the, the old orthodox biblical truths. And so, you know, for, for people that that, and, and then we're very like naturally supernatural. We're not trying to like put on something. Right. Um, but in any moment we know that the Holy Spirit can break in, that 
that the kingdom of God could break in and meet real human need, just like he did in the person of Jesus. That's great. So yeah, that's, that's like my, yeah. Somebody's listening, going, that's me. So look at multiplyvineyard.org and that would be great. So every day let's, let's um, scope in a little bit. Let's talk about how you're helping church planters. Now, what are you finding church planters need in those first beginning days most? What are they, what are you providing for them? What, what are you coming, how are you coming alongside of them uh, in those beginning so, days? So what we end up doing is we come alongside our local churches and help them reproduce well. Yeah. And so what we do is we recommend that a church planter get involved in a really good, healthy vineyard church and go through a discernment process with that community so that whole community can send them out the same way in Acts 13, you know, that Antioch Church sent out Saul and Barnabas, right? right. They hear the Holy Spirit together. And so there's a, a well-rounded, really robust uh, discernment process for the whole community hearing together that, yes, you're supposed to go plant a church. And then what we do is try to partner the model of the church plant. Uh, with the unique gifts and personality of uh, that specific uh, church planter and their sending church. And so people talk about, you know, you know, the inside out, old, old school language was inside out or outside in. We might right. talk about uh, attractional or organic. Yeah. You know, I, I actually think Jesus did all the different models. When, yeah. And, and when I look at what Paul in the, in, in, in the book of Acts and you look at the early church, you see lots of different ways of going about it. Right. I, I think the goal is we want to do what God's doing yeah. in each person and in each community. And so the models are just names that we give yeah. to labels that we stick on the things that God's doing the same way we might stick labels on music, right? Yeah. So, so you guys work with different models. If your if theology is the same and the, the tribal DNA is the same, if you will, and the, exactly. if you feel, then you can work with any kind of model. That's great. Exactly. The, mo the model is kind of superfluous to what God's doing and how we might help you get launched in the best way possible. And so, so much of that is figuring out who you are and what you yeah. bring to the table yeah. so that then we can help you launch in the best way. It's interesting. When I asked you about how you're helping church planners, you instantly referenced the local church. Is yeah. it, it, it you're, you're helping the local church send out? church planters, you, exactly. church planters aren't with you directly. I mean, I'm sure you have an in, influence and all of that, but I hear you saying I'm helping churches multiply church planters. That's great. Because I think, you know, if you want to plant a church, but you're not connected to a church. Yeah. Like that's kind of like, I don't know, like, I don't even know what analogy to use for that. Yeah. It just seems like, seems like, Hey, I don't want to be connected to the church, but I want to plant a church. Well, sure. what are you doing? Yeah. Like, you know, so I, th I think it's the nature of the gospel that it reproduces. Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. I think it's, it's the nature of the church that it reproduces in the next town, in the next village. Yeah. And so having that community, that local church around you to help you do that, I think is incredibly huge yeah. and beneficial. And it kind of flies in the culture of our independent American cowboy spirit that, yeah really is still there, even though we might not see the Marlboro commercial on TV anymore. Yeah. Like that still is there in our DNA and sometimes an idolatrous and, and harmful way. Yeah. So I think that there's really good health in being sent out from a local community. In, in my story, yeah. I was ready to go long before we got sent out. And I remember my wife saying her biggest prayer is that we would get sent out from a healthy church. Yeah. 
And I thought, well, that's like two big, huge boulders in the way. You got to find a healthy church. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> and then you got to agree with you. And I felt like I heard the Lord chastise me and say, am I not big enough for that? Well, and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. So. Well, having your back, uh, you know, not doing it alone. I've, I've planted two churches. Our first one was quite a distance from our sending church. And it was, it was real difficult. The second church, I had the greatest cheerleaders. I mean, every Monday when I wanted to call and go, I'm terrible at this. Like, you know, these were the, the brothers in my back were like, remember what the Lord said? Like, you have this. He's with you for you. And they kept me buoyant in the spirit, you know, moving forward. So. Great. Yeah. And that's exactly what you need. I had the same thing. I had about nine different mentors that I could call every week. It's great. That just like, and they were good at different things, right? Somebody was really good at financing, somebody yeah. was good at pastoral care. That's smart. And, um, and I just called them all the time in that. And, and that's one of the things I loved about the bigger tribe, not just yeah. the first people that sent us out, but the whole bigger community. Well, if you're listening to this podcast, you just got gold right there. He just said he had nine different people who had different skill sets. So you didn't have just nine prayer guys. You had a guy that said, I can help you when the heavy load is with finances. I have a guy that can help you when the spiritual load is, is strong. When you're, when your marriage is going through something, I hear you kind of diversifying your, your family there a little bit. Yeah. I think we really need that. You know, I remember calling one guy and this thing I was struggling with is not the thing he gave me advice on at all. Yeah. And I hung up the phone, old school phone. Like I hung up yeah. the phone and, uh, and I sat there for a minute and I go, that did not help at all. And immediately somebody else's name came to mind. And so I just called yeah. him up and said, Hey, I'm going through this. And he spoke directly to the issue. And wow. that was one of the times I thought, Oh, I need all these guys in my life. Yeah. So it was good. That's great. For such a time as a certain hours, you know, a guy, you need a certain guy or gal for exactly certain hours. Right. So talk to me well, as you're helping church planners, what are some of the big obstacles oh, about a third or more of the listeners here are going to be, they haven't launched yet. Right. So let's talk about that first year. What would you say to people who are about to launch? What are there some of the common obstacles you're seeing planners encounter and how do you see them overcoming that? So one of the biggest obstacles right away is uh, no people to pastor. <laughs> Right. Yeah. A church is a church is not the building, the facility or the services. A church is the humans. Yeah. You know, and, and living stones don't always like stay where they're put and even come gather around to help you build the building. Right. And so the, the biggest obstacle is you just there's no there's no people. And and as great as social media is uh, gag, um, it's, it's not really going to help you sure. like, necessarily gather a really cool group of people. So that's one of the biggest obstacles. And the old school method of actually just getting away from your computer and your phone and talking to other humans yeah. about the thing that God's doing in you. Jesus said, go be my witnesses. Just yeah. talk about what's going on in you yeah. that's actually worth being a part of. Um, and talking to as many people as you can every single week. Oh. So I'm the kind of guy that likes unrealistically high goals. Yeah. I tried to talk to a hundred people, hundred new people a week and tell them my story for two years. Wow. Um, I only hit my goal two out of 104 weeks. Wow. But even my bad weeks, it was like 25 or 27 new people. Amazing. And at the end of two years, starting with like pretty small group, um, we had about 120 people regularly gathering together yeah. um, kind of in worship and small groups together. And, and that's one of the biggest things is like, you've got to 
you've got to be able to build community and have relationship and draw people in. And it's not just people who are already followers of Jesus. A few of those will come along, but really aiming at those who have no relationship with God. That's why we plant churches. Yeah. And so I think that's one of the, one one of the biggest obstacles and people tend to focus on websites and money and, you know, facilities and all that. And those are all things that you're going to need, you know, maybe right away, or at least eventually. Yeah. But like it's the actual relationships make a huge, big difference. Yeah. And so like, what's really interesting is to think about in your day, how many things you do that don't require talking to people. Mm-hmm. What would it take to rearrange your life? So all those things required human interaction. Wow. Like when you get gas at the gas station, actually go in and talk to the person. Yeah. Right? Or you're doing banking actually go in and talk to people, you know, or, or you're buying food, actually go to the store. Yeah. I know like everybody can deliver everything now, but like actually build enough relationships in enough places. Or if you live and you have people in a neighborhood or in an apartment complex, actually go around and meet them and talk with them and get to know them and look for ways that you can begin to serve them. Yeah. It's a huge, big deal. And, and here's, here's one I think that we, we lose. Um, remember when Jesus sent the disciples out in Matthew 10 or Luke 10? He said, don't take anything with you yeah. and, and go to a place and stay in somebody's house. Like he was teaching them how to practice what we call reverse hospitality. Mm. Like get yourself invited over rather than inviting other people over. Yeah. Right. And so get yourself invited over to everybody's house that you possibly can. Let them serve you the food they want and the drinks they want. Let yeah. them be in the position of power and bring the peace and the presence of Christ with you and yeah. see how that begins to transform those people in those relationships. So that's all people gathering stuff. Yeah. Well, I hear you say yeah. go a lot. It sounds a lot like the gospel. You know, you're not yeah. saying, hey, set up something on Sunday. I hope everybody shows up. I mean, you're going. That sounds very missional, even at the gas station to think of my life as an opportunity to interact with somebody on exactly. purpose. Yeah. And then have something that you're doing, yeah. the other side of that, have something that you're doing you can invite them to. Yeah. And so whether that's small group or a small Sunday thing, and make that the thing that you're doing, make it the best that you possibly can Yeah. in, in embodying your vision and values. So we have some church planners that are in the vineyard that are planting monastic missional communities. Wow. So rather than doing like a Sunday service exactly the same each week, yeah. They do a week that's lect, group Lectio Divina. And then they do a, a week that's just kind of worship and teaching. And yeah. then they do a, a week that's kind of empowering and small group. Yeah. All on the same topic. Wow. And then they'll do like a, you know, another three weeks on a, yeah. on a, a different topic. And so like figure out something you can invite people to that really does envision yeah. who you are, embody who you are. That's great. Let's um so you've been pastoring this church now what 32 years? 22 years. 22 years. We started in the fall of 97. 22 years. So let's play a game here. Let's jump in a time machine for a second. We're going to go talk to you the day before you took over to replant this church. What are two things you tell that Michael? Who well, that Michael was praying, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, you got me into this mess. You better, <laughs> you better show up and get me, help me here. <laughs> oh, what's two things I'd tell that Michael? Um, I'd probably tell that Michael, don't be quite so intense. Yeah. You know, and uh, enjoy the ride a little bit and, and make, 
and, and really treat people, treat people well. Yeah. You know, I think I ran over a few people in the early years. And if, yeah. if they're listening, dude, I'm really sorry. Come back around and let's get a beer and talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll apologize. Yeah. You know, that's um, common, right? Though, I mean, that's, that's common. That It feels like a lot of guys will go back and say that, like, I really steamed over some people. Why do you think that is? Or, you know, I, I wasn't as great with my relationships as I was now. Why do you think that's the case? Um, immaturity. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think, you know, honestly, I think sometimes, sometimes we're the ones that think we have to make it happen. Right. And, um, and so then we just take more responsibility than what's really ours. I think that's, that's a part of it. There's, and then I just think, gosh, as we, as you do this and you stay in the game, you, you see how important like the other humans really are in this whole yeah. thing. We're not just using people to try to plant the church. Yeah. That's great. incredibly just destructive and so yeah that's great you probably have a good as, as good an answer or better i'm probably gonna be on the same way you know just being so per, uh driven you know to make something happen and you said uh, you just said a phrase that it made it sound as if i'm taking on the weight on myself like i'm responsible for this both yokes have my hands in it you know you're yeah. you're sounding like you're leaning into the lord and believing he's doing the work and yeah that's very healthy. Um, and the last few minutes here, what, what's God doing in the vineyard? Uh, what, what are you seeing God do? What are you seeing God say? Yeah, great question. Um, I, I actually feel that, and several of us do, that God's actually really breathing new life into kind of our movement and who we are and our relationships with one another that we're in a process where we have a lot of pastors that are older than I am and uh, are retiring in the, like the next three to five years. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of job opportunities out there, but I'm watching um, the next couple generations come up and I love the way that they are really holding on to Jesus and embodying the same kinds of things that we've always been, but doing it in fresh ways. Yeah. So for example, I just took a group, I just spoke at a, like a 350 high school person, high school retreat. And um, I took a 20 hour road trip one way with five high school students from our church to go out to Colorado wow. to go do this. And I shared the speaking with them and you know, I taught like the scriptures and then they shared their story to illustrate what we were talking about and hanging out with almost 400 high schoolers for four days. I was so encouraged at, at the way that they are willing to lean in and grow and talk about some of the things in their lives. And yeah, we talked about how deeply God loves us and how that leads us to obedience and yeah. confession and repentance and just, you know, the basics of our faith. And then I watched them all just go there yeah. and start really confessing to one another. Some of the things that they'd struggle with, like deep addictions to porn for like three or four years since they're 14 years old, yeah. and just some of the other things going on in their lives. And then just watching them weep and pray for one another and seeing God begin to bring healing. We had several uh, kids who made like a, a profession of faith for the first time and like it's just like i just love that it's so encouraging watching them and then the week after that we did a young adult conference down in phoenix and the same thing with a group that's now a few years older 
and they're doing the exact same thing and they're like leaning in. So one of the things I think that God's doing in the vineyard is really empowering our next couple generations to embody kind of the, the, the gospel and the, you know, embrace yeah. the presence of Christ and walk in the power of Christ in, in like really some really fresh ways. And it's super exciting. That's I'm glad great. I get to be around and help be a grandpa during this time. That's so. awesome. There's definitely a, a generational transfer oh, yeah. of something happening right now, some yeah. legacy, yeah. some DNA. Uh, you know, and I told you this before we started, but I, I had the pleasure of visiting a vineyard church recently. And, you know, Mike, one of the things that stood out to me is when worship started, it wasn't just the young people who went forward to really go and worship. It yeah, was yeah. multiple generations clearly seeking the Lord together. And it's, it's a rarity right now. You know, I think that that was a, one of the most beautiful things my wife and I saw. So we appreciate, you know, what God's doing in the vineyard as well. How can people get in touch with you? There's uh, people listening to the podcast that need to... Um, just jump on board. Multiplyvineyard.org. You can take a look at the information there. Uh, my email address is really simple, Michael at multiplyvineyard.org. And uh, we, we'd love to do, we'd love to start a conversation with anybody who's interested. Or if you happen to be in Duluth, Minnesota, the Vineyard Church is not hard to find. And uh, it, it'd be really fun to connect sometime. So not too many people make it up here except during like our summer month. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, we are so grateful you spent a little time with us. I said I'd keep you to 45 minutes and we're right there. So I want to honor your time. And uh, Michael, thanks so much. Uh, this was gold today. I think a lot of people will be uh, uh, received life from this. So we appreciate your time. Cool. Thanks for the invitation. It's really great talking with you. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. If you have any questions about what you've heard today, please give us a call at 844-641-641. 5718 or visit our website at startchurch.com. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Start Church Beyond the Call. Start Church has helped thousands of churches and ministries protect what God has given them to lead. Check out our website at startchurch.com or feel free to call at 844-641-5718. We would be honored to serve you.